0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Metavertising Podcast, your podcast about metaverse, marketing, advertising, and related trends in the tech world. I'm your host, Eli Santos, and this podcast is all about exploring the metaverse and its possibilities with people that are at the core of its development. And of course, how marketing is going to be related with everything. And today, I'm very excited to welcome Nick Hill. Nick, say hi to everyone.
1: Hey, what's up, everybody? I'm happy to be here. Eli, thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you nick so guys nick hill is the co-founder and head of interactive at SoulHorse. during his tenure nick has cultivated a dynamic team of leaders in the space and created immersive metaverse experiences for some of the biggest brands studios and agencies in the world before this role nick was an independent film director and editor and created internationally acclaimed documentaries in his spare time he enjoys DJing biking and spending time with his wife and two kids in Los Angeles. So Nick, tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do and your background. We'd love to hear it.
1: Yeah, awesome. Um, So my background, I I come from the traditional production world um, in the digital space. So my company builds um, 2D linear media, like video work for big brands, studios, agencies, we had a lot of success in like the digital space where um, content needed to be made and, and shared socially. Basically anything that was created outside of the traditional like radio, TV or film world, it was all kind of that different digital space. We had a lot of success in for about 10 years. And in the past two years, we moved into the interactive space. So uh, basically telling those same stories and the, the, the working with those same brands but instead of t- telling a 2D linear story, we're now telling a 3D immersive uh, interactive story um, on UGC platforms like Roblox and Decentraland and Sandbox and all the other ones that are out there.
0: That's really cool. And it's, uh, it's really interesting to see your background in like production. I think it completely translates to what we're seeing happening with this new, let's say new wave of like experiential marketing, I guess I can call it immersive marketing, like the new wave of marketing or the future of marketing. I guess it completely translates. And uh, and I think that's the perfect hook for us to talk about the main topic today, which is immersive uh, user-generated content and social gaming. And so you kind of already started by talking about Soul Horse and how you guys started in production and um and back then and this is something that i've said many times here in the podcast back then like the stories were told in a 2d linear fashion and now moving into 3d right um and so i think there's always like the marketing fundamentals and i think the fundamentals are always going to be the same like you know making sure that you are telling the story to the right audience, and you're telling, you're translating the brand ethos. But I would love to hear from you, like um, maybe in a more general way. What are the main challenges of like doing this transition from the 2D world now into these 3D immersive stories, 3D immersive experiences? I'd love to hear from you for us to kickstart the conversation.
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, we had that whole transition coming from the 2D linear w- world to the 3D immersive world. And there are a lot of similarities. Uh, Basically, in general, you're telling a brand story um, and you're being creative. So you're doing that in both spaces. But the big difference is this concept of uh, persistency, meaning when I would do my work in the old school way, I'm just concerned about you watching what I build once. And it has to resonate with you and have an impact and then I'm pretty much done. Like my job is done. I made an amazing piece of content. You thought it was awesome. The runtime ended and you walked away. I won. Now with uh, the interactive stuff is you're building a software product and that product has interactivity and um, a lot of clients and, and what is viewed as successful is you know, when users come back and keep interacting with that thing that you've built, so you can still be creative and, and create a story, but it has to be built in a way that is fully immersive, interactive and designed for retention um, and persistency. So users want to come back, the, you know, today, and then they want to come back tomorrow and the next day. And also what ch- updates can we do from a live LiveOS perspective to I- incentivize and motivate uh, users and audiences to come back next week? So. You know, it's, it's kind of like this living thing um, versus like, uh, you know, like a, a dead thing almost. And it's, it's like you have to cultivate it. You have to you, after you build it, you really have to look at what is the long term goal of this thing and how can we how can we feed it and have it evolve over time? That's one one of the biggest challenges that we've felt.
0: That's interesting, and uh, and I think it's an amazing perspective because really, like, um, there were so many, like if you compare the old, let's say, the old way to do marketing, the old way to build, um, to tell a story, right? And like the new immersive way, like there's so many changes. And so uh, when you say that now you're, you have to think about building something evergreen, I think that's really interesting because I'm curious now, like um, when you're building something evergreen, um, from basically brands that were used to telling stories in a much more linear way, as you said, that you only have to tell it once, or maybe like you're creating an ad that they're gonna see over and over and over again, but it's always gonna be the same story. Um, so I'm, I'm curious, like, how are you dealing with also the challenge of telling this, the, the the same, like translating the ethos from this these brands into not only a new format, but also like um, to a relatively new audience as well, because not many brands are targeting like the the Gen Z or Gen Alpha, for example, which are essentially the types of people that are within these platforms, right? The younger generations. Um, and then not many of these brands, like they were targeting these audiences before. So it's a complete transformation of the story that they have to tell. So I'm curious, like how do we approach this, translation of this ethos in a completely different environment, Um, trying to stick with the fundamentals. I'm not sure like what are the challenges in terms of like dealing with the teams within those big brands, right? Which are uh, marketers typically that are used to the older formats. Um, So I'm curious, like how do you translate those things?
1: Yeah, well, you know, the bottom line, first off, I would say brands have to stay relevant and they have to stay relevant to younger audiences. So Gen Z and Gen A, that is the future uh, consumer. That's the future customer. So um, whether you want to sell something directly to them now or in 10 years, it doesn't matter. You still need to be on their radar. So I think a lot of brands are looking at platforms like Roblox as a way to stay relevant and stay in the game. Um, That's first. Uh, Second, you mentioned, sorry, can you just repeat the question? I kind of got off topic.
0: Yeah, no problem. It's it's basically essentially like translating the brand ethos, right? So uh, not only staying relevant, but also like being able to translate the message that you've been telling for years into a completely new environment and also to a completely new audience, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, So like what I was trying to say was... um, it's a brand new space for marketers to participate in. So a lot of them are in sort of a a test and learn uh, mentality where they might have a good idea and they'll say, let's do an activation on Roblox or one of these platforms and let's see how it performs. You know, they, they're kind of looking at it from like a, you know, like a pop-up event type of vibe to be like, what happened? We built this thing. What were the metrics like? What was the engagement like? And I think a lot of them are seeing that um, the, the metrics are huge. There's a there's a lot of interest and they may approach it as a temporary thing going in, but after the experience has been live for a while, a lot of them realize, oh, this is great. We need to keep this up, you know? Like, I don't wanna just sunset it, it doesn't make sense. And then it becomes, then the gears start turning and it's like, well, we'll, well, what do we do with this now? How do we really leverage it to maximize its value. And that's where you can really get creative and start creating um, campaigns and live op strategies and, and ways of engaging and communicating with your audience. Um, and so that's that's been a really fun challenge to kind of unpack uh, with clients.
0: And it's interesting that you said that because it makes me wonder, like, um, because Roblox itself, if you look at Roblox and even other platforms like Fortnite, you mentioned the central end as well. Um, they're not necessarily new, but I think um, it, it hasn't been until the last few years that brands started to realize they could jump into these environments and create experiences there and use it as a new channel to impact, especially younger audiences, right? So, um, Would you say that we're just scratching the surface with with Roblox? Like, uh, what do you see as not only the future of Roblox or maybe Fortnite, or maybe like, what is the potential of Roblox and Fortnite, but also the future of immersive marketing?
1: Yeah, I think we are just uh, scratching the surface. And I think one of the reasons why it's happening now is because a lot of these platforms are UGC based and it's becoming more and more easy to create in these spaces and the audiences and that are there are so vast that it's just it makes more sense and now it's achievable from a technological standpoint today for a brand to actually have an idea create something and release it where that you know wasn't as easy in the past you know 30 40 years so we're here now and and people are taking advantage of it I would agree with you i do feel like we are just scratching the surface because like i said everyone's in a test and learn phase um all these brands are coming everyone's studying the news being like wow look what this brand did that's interesting look what this brand did that was like kind of a fail that didn't really move the needle um so everyone's trying to figure out you know what they can do and for me i'm just really excited about thinking outside the box i really look at these platforms as um not as games necessarily, but as just very robust software that you can create experiences on. You know, a a lot of people look at Roblox as like a kid's game or a kid's platform. I never saw it like that. Obviously a large portion of the audience is on the younger side, but I've always seen it as just a tool to create an experience. And when people go and experience it, you can create whatever you want. It doesn't have to be a game. And I think it reminds me of the first project that we did was for uh, Aloe Yoga, uh, the clothing brand, mindfulness brand. And we approached the project with a very naive vision. For us, it was like, oh, we're entering the metaverse. We're enter- 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 uh, We're entering a 3D space where users can do whatever we want them to do. So we can make a crazy yoga game where you have to do all the poses and unlock all the points or we could just listen to the brand ethos and build something that was relevant and something of value to those users. We were lucky because Allo has an app called Allo Moves and that's a bunch of guided meditation uh, audio files and a a bunch of uh, yoga tutorial videos. So we decided to bring those into the the platform, um, conform them and program, program them in a way that like would be beneficial to users Um, and gamify those in a natural way. Um, And it was something that was just different. You know, I think that was the big word everyone used was that when that experience launched, a lot of people were like, I haven't seen something like this on the platform before. And so for us, it was just a really exciting opportunity to create something new and fresh and different and just watch how the audience like receives it. Um, And I think that's really fun and fresh. Because you don't have to just make a game or just copy a game mechanic that you know works. You can really leverage the capabilities of the platform to make any type of interactive immersive experience uh, that you want to.
0: Yeah, I love that. I absolutely love that. And that's something that I always, I, I often say that like... Uh, the, the coolest thing about marketing in immersive environments is that there are basically no limits, right? So y- not only limits in the sense of like what you can create, but also the your future consumer or maybe the consumer that you're targeting, they're at the core and center of the story that you're telling them, right? So uh, they're not anymore just being told a story from a 2D screen now they're actually like the main character in this story as it is unfolding and so I, I i absolutely love how you said you know when you guys created the experience for Alo yoga like you didn't necessarily you know took whatever was working in other games and like all right well so let's try to increase our chances of success let's say you basically like look we have this new creative realm where we can push boundaries in a way that wasn't just, it just wasn't possible before. Let's leverage that, right? And I think, you know, as as a gamer myself, like, um, maybe that's a bit of, like, my... Let's say my profile is a as a consumer of entertainment, right? I love seeing innovation. I love when games push the boundaries. I love when uh, musicians push the boundaries. I love when movies push the boundaries. Um, and I love seeing just new stuff, you know, just a new, a fresh perspective. You know, you have access to the same tools, but you use it in a completely different way. And I'm sure that young kids have a lot of that as well. You know, they love novelty. They love, you know, like they've been in Roblox for a while. And then all of a sudden there's this new experience that just explores the tool in a way that just wasn't possible before. So I absolutely love this creativity piece that you highlighted there.
1: Yeah. And that's what keeps things fun and fresh. You know, I think on the, uh, the traditional video side. I was creating a lot of stuff that has been done before or repackaging it in ways that were you know, different, but kind of the same. Um, and I feel like with the projects that we're doing now, we almost have to reinvent the wheel on every project where you can look at that and be like, oh, wow, that seems like a headache and a lot of work. And it is, but it's also very rewarding and very fun and very challenging because um, you're actually building experiences experiences and building things that haven't been done before and you get to release them to millions of people and then you get to see the reaction um, and you get to learn from that and continue to apply that to new projects moving forward. So I feel like we're pioneers in the space and it's just so exciting and Roblox is just one avenue, you know, there's so many other technologies out there and other platforms On the technology side, you have augmented reality experiences, XR experiences, VR experiences. Um, So really like the sky is the limit for creativity.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. And something that you said about Like, uh, you don't see Roblox as a game, and I I completely agree with your perspective. I think Roblox is kind of like the social media of the future, and what I mean by that, it's like it's much more of a social environment than a game, I feel, you know? Like, you have the gaming component there, like you can play games with your friends or by yourself, but at the end of the day, like, uh, it is fun because there's a lot of people there and you can play with friends and like, younger kids like it you know and we we have talked about that here in the in the podcast previously but there's a lot of young kids that they use roblox as a meeting place right so they don't go to i don't know like go to the mall anymore like they don't go to a park with their friends like they just hang out in roblox right so i think it's kind of like the social media of the future and something that you mentioned um about how um, these younger generations are like so used to this new format because they they were essentially born in it right like they were born in the day and age of the internet like I remember when I when I uh, was young and the internet was basically invented it was completely different for you to access the, like it was an event by itself like I had to 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 connect to the internet and then use dial-up you know so it was completely different but now they are essentially, natives to this new format right and then you also mentioned ar vr so i'm guessing like from your perspective since these younger generations are are expecting they're ready for this new format they're expecting things to come out of this these new technologies right um how do you see the future like for these younger generations uh working not only like right now but like in the future when they grow up and they're going to be using like business apps. They're going to be using just, you know, uh, just having a job, you know, like going to college, all of these things. How do you envision this is going to be like for the generation that was born on Roblox and used to socialize in platforms like Roblox and with AR and VR being more advanced? I would love to hear from you. What are your thoughts?
1: Well, I think in general, you can't stop progress and you can't stop technology. I think technology is going to be rolling out and affecting everyone's life. I don't even care how old you are. You know, I think a a good example is like you look at um, AR as a technology that we're going to get to a point where AR comes stock on every pair of sunglasses that's sold in the world. You know what I mean? Like, why wouldn't it? It would be so cheap and so like give the user so much value. It's going to be there. So you're going to have grandparents that are like clicking and, and interacting and the things that They are interested in, plus obviously, kids that you know at the age of three are going to know how to do it too. So, there's no stopping that, and I think um, we'll be leveraging technology to improve our lives and you know uh, make things better for the planet and doing everything we can to just help our lives and, and help everyone. So, I, I think that there's no stopping that. Um, but as far as like what kids expect, I you know, I I look at my my own kids and other young people, basically, they are interacting with devices at a very young age, and there's so much more interactivity than what previous generations have been used to. You know, that's this sort of like traditional top-down media has been accepted for so, so long. Like something was created and it was presented to me, and I sat down and I got to consume it you know, I never really had a say. It wasn't until um, the YouTube revolution and, uh, and social media did we immediately get to like uh, comment back and then be a part of this ongoing real-time conversation. So I think in general, uh, this, this idea of interactivity is going to become stock and expected for base- all things, you know? So I think when it comes to like uh, entertainment and media, there's going to be a level of interactivity that's expected by younger generations. And also you mentioned like social media and and robots becoming the next form of social media. Um, I definitely feel like that too, everyone's connected as well. Um, You know, I think it's young people are going to be expecting to not only have a say in what they're consuming, but they're going to be doing it socially with all of their friends on you know on an international level they they're going to be together at all times and i feel like that's really the the direction where all this is going
0: yeah i love it and uh, you know i completely agree and not only uh not only that but also the way because you mentioned like the interactivity being like uh just natural to them the fact that they're so uh, it's the, the the technology is so intuitive for them, all of these things. But also I think just if you look at, which is what we were talking about at the beginning, like if you look back at the way media and just content and entertainment was done until now, it was not only like a story being told to you, but also like the 2D screen versus what we're gonna have in the future of data being all around you, right? So something that I was thinking about the other day was like how how um, used I guess I can say we are to windows right just having informations in windows you know like so if you look at a like when you're in a the computer there's just there's a lot of like different windows and then you work within these windows right and when you start thinking about a device like the Apple Vision Pro that seeks to revolutionize the interaction with data, right? Through AR, through VR, whatever. Um, why is it, and 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 that's funny, like when I was watching the WWDC, like um, not the presentation, but like the content that was made available afterwards on how to develop stuff for the Apple Vision Pro, how, what are the guidelines and whatnot. Like when I was watching that, I was like, and, and many of the guidelines, like many of the videos, they instruct you, like there's standards of like how you design for the Apple Vision Pro. So you're going to create a window that looks like this and the disposition of items, like it's going to be very similar to an iPad. And I was like, why are we still using screens? Like, and this is something that I don't think I have the answer to, right? Like, I, I don't know. like. I don't know what would be the ideal now that we're getting into a world where data is going to be all around us, right? And you can interact with this data as if it was an object in your living room, right? Um, And I think the newer generations are going to be able to, um, they're going to have an answer for that. (laughs) That's what I think. Because of like all of the... um, not only all of the, the 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 experience that they've had since birth with immersive technologies, but also because the way technology is going to continue to advance when they're you know older, and it's going to be much more advanced than than it is today. So I'm mean, yeah. like, it's I think it's a, an interesting question to ask yourself, right?
1: Yeah, I think that's really smart. I I completely agree with that. You know, it's like uh, digital natives have grown up uh, connected to the internet connected to social UGC uh, apps that you know are are having global conversations at really young ages and leveraging devices connected to their you know their phone their smartwatch uh, all the tablets like computers they own like they they kind of see it slightly different than than we do because I remember I, I grew up where the internet I was alive before there was the internet and then there was the internet and there was your computers and then PCs and then, you know, the smartphone eventually came along. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I think the way we look at screens is it's a, a, it's an an upgrade from like the piece of paper, right? So it's like, Oh, I did the paper and then I shared it to the people. And then, you know, the next thing is like, wow, you can do that and, you know, have multiple tabs open. And I feel like, yes, I think it, it, For our, from our POV, the next logical step is like, instead of having a screen in front of me, why don't I just be a floating screen that way, you know, it can be as big as I want it to be. Plus I put my hand through it, whatever. Yeah. But I I love where you're going with that because how else can we uh, present information in an interactive way that's more immersive and uh, more natural for us. But I do think that like what Apple's doing with spatial computing and that concept is moving in that direction. And I think that technology is, you know, prime, you know, real estate to, to take advantage of all those ideas that you're suggesting that I agree, probably the younger generations will be like leading those creative uh, innovations. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that spatial computing, it, it's happening already. I think just as the, the half step in is like, let's just recreate what's in front of us digitally. And then let's push the envelope on top of that as soon as we can.
0: Yeah, definitely. And, and something that you mentioned about uh, being connected in a kind of a global community. I can't help but talk a little bit about AI for us to wrap it up. So gen- not only generative AI, but also like AI as a tool within these communities, within these in- digital environments, these immersive environments. I can't help but think like, all right, so in the future, my kids are going to be playing a game that is similar to Roblox with uh, here in Brazil with a kid in Japan, for example, but they're actually talking the same language, right? So uh, the kids in Japan are talking Portuguese with my kids here, and then the kid in Japan is listening in Japanese over there, right? And also like not only, uh, as I said, not only as a tool, but also generative AI, like using AI to create these experiences to, uh And I know that Roblox is kind of like dipping their toes on generative AI uh, with like prompted objects, prompted worlds and whatnot. Uh, I would love to hear from you. What is your perspective? How do you think generative AI will impact this new generation of marketing, of creation, of UGC? What are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, it's overwhelming because it's moving so fast. There's so many things (laughs) that we can talk about AI. Um, We leverage it right now because we want to stay cost effective and competitive. Um, we use generative AI in our coding software, also in our art creation as much as we can. Um, I think it's a ways off from fully like replacing artists. You know, I am interested in the, the writer's strike and I, I totally understand and empathize with with everyone's concerns there. But also I feel like there's no stopping this. You know, you can't really just stop technology like that. I do know that like, you know, creative script writing right now is um, not there yet. I don't know if you've seen any of these scripts that have been created and they're so strange. They're almost like their own genre. Um, They definitely cannot replace a talented writer. I know a lot of writers in LA and they're fantastic, really smart people. Some of the smartest in the film industry, in my opinion. I think it's going to be a long time before AI is going to just Confidently step in and, sh- you know, where you're reading two scripts and you're like, did a human write it? Did the AI write it? I don't know. I think we're a ways off from that. But I also think people need to lean into technology. Like every time a new technology is released, you have one camp that's like, this is going to make everyone's life better. And then you got the other camp that's like, oh, it's going to put me out of a job and let's stop it. You know, I think, you know, <laughs> The people that say we're gonna stop it, they never win. You know, it always, you know, it, it, you have to adopt it in some case. I look at AI as like, how as an artist or, you know, a business, how can you leverage AI to make yourself more productive? Uh, I feel like it's a it's hand in hand thing that you that we have to all kind of work together on. So that's like kind of my, my take on AI. But also I feel like the crazy part that's even more crazy than that whole side is the generative artistic uh, and um, interactive side of AI where traditionally studios like mine have to build worlds for people to come inside and do something. We're getting to a point probably in the next five, 10 years where you can just think a world. You, you don't even have to be an artist. like You can be any person using this device. You're like, I'm going to think a world. And then now we're here. And then I'm there in that world with all my friends. You think some sort of gamification, you're going to be able to play that game. And then that opens up so many opportunities of co-creation, interactivity. And that's you know, the sky's the limit at that point. Like, how do you harness that in ways? And how are brands going to harness that and be part of that conversation? I don't have a crystal ball, so I, I don't know. But it's one of the things I just keep thinking about and trying to wrap my head around how we can be involved in that.
0: Yeah, definitely. And that's something that I think a lot about myself as well in the sense of like, I think the world is just going to be more competitive in terms of media and content, right? Because anyone is going to be able to create uh, AAA content basically, right? So obviously AAA content is going to look different 10 years from now, but it's going to be amazing content that anyone can create From from, from one perspective, I think that's great because it allows... Creative people worldwide to tell their stories or to create their stories, which is amazing, right? It gives opportunity for everyone to create stories, but from another perspective, like um, people that actually like went to school for this and like, you know, they study uh, script writing, as you said, and like they learned all of the fundamentals and they spend time coming up with ideas like um, it's going to be hard for them to compete with these stories. Right. So which in essence creates a problem, but like, I don't know, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm just like you said, like, I prefer to go with the technology and on favor of the technology rather than trying to push it back. Um, I also love the technology, but it's interesting to also analyze things from different perspectives and seeing like, what are the potential concerns of this, right?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, the one interesting thing about a, a democratizing media creation is that you think that anyone can just make it. And the reality is like, sure you can, but the film industry still exists, even though cameras are super cheap, you know, you can have a platform to distribute to immediately. Uh, so why, why is the film industry still here? It's here because these things are really hard to do at a, at a super high level. Um, same with like AAA studios. Like, it's not just the way the art looks, it's the story, it's the game mechanics, it's the everything that goes into that. Like, uh, I struggle to to imagine a world where a random person can make the next Call of Duty just by clicking some buttons. I just don't think that maybe in like 50 years or 100 years, like maybe, but uh, I still think uh, you need pros, you need teams, you need great uh, creative leaders to, to build those type of things. I just think that like with generative AI, there's going to be a lot of amazing, fast, interactive world creations and interactivity that I think is its its own uh, exciting adventure.
0: Yeah, no, I completely agree, especially because if you think about like five, 10 years from now, like what is considered an amazing game today? In five years, it's going to be an obsolete game. In 10 years, it's going to be a completely obsolete game. So the concept of a AAA game is going to be different. It's going to be more complex. It's going to be uh, better looking. You know, it's going to have better graphics. And I agree, like, you're not going to be just able to use some generative AI tool to create a AAA game. So, I, yeah, I completely agree. I love that perspective, by the way. Um, and I, I, we could talk about AI and immersive marketing and just UGC, the future of UGC for hours. But uh, but for now, thank you very much for being here with me today, Nick. I really, really appreciate it. And uh, for us to wrap it up, I'd love to hear from you. Any projects that you're working on right now that you feel are worth mentioning for our audience or maybe any future projects that you would like to work on or maybe something that has been on your mind lately? I'd love to hear it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um You know, I'm under NDA on all of the projects that I'm making, and I don't want to shoot myself in the foot and, you know, say something I shouldn't. We're building a lot of great experiences on Roblox. Um, A few are, one's coming out in about a month. We've got a couple more that will be coming out over the next few months. So really excited about those. We're also working with a big brand on an AI related project, which I can't really talk about that, but it's going to be a a global project and it's going to have a lot of impact. And I think... It's kind of mind-blowing, that will be cool. Um, Sorry to be so cryptic, but uh, there's that. Um, I think the thing that what I want to do, the the thing I'm most passionate about is working in the entertainment vertical and taking traditional media, like 2D media, bringing it into 3D immersive worlds, gamifying it and making it something new and really pushing the envelope on um, transmedia. That's my my biggest interest here, and I think we did this with uh, when we worked with Netflix uh, when we did the Stranger Things project. It was a watch immersive watch party where we took the pilot episode and we put it in a three dimensional environment. Um, we played it every hour on the hour. We did two really interesting things about it. One was we created the we mirrored what was happening on screen in the three dimensional environment. So for instance like if the characters on screen were in like a rainstorm we brought the rainstorm into the entire environment for that scene. Or if there's different like objects that the at the people the characters on screen were dealing with those objects were built in 3D space and the the avatars watching were able to interact with that. And we added a layer of gamification so for instance scenes where the players were being or the the scenes where the actors were being attacked by Demogorgons, we modeled 3D versions of those Demogorgons and ran them through the audience and it had them attack the avatars. And you had to throw you know, waffles at them uh, to destroy the Demogorgon. Each time you landed a hit, you gained a point. So it was a gamification element that we added. If you were to destroy that Demogorgon and get enough points by the end of the experience, you could redeem that for UGC wearables for your avatars so to me that's like taking traditional storytelling filmmaking and translating that into an immersive experience that's what i'm most passionate about i want to work with more uh, companies in the entertainment vertical to push the envelope because i feel like that project only scratched the surface and there's just so much creativity and, and so much we can do to push the envelope
0: That's awesome. That's really, really cool. I haven't seen that one, by the way, but it's it's really interesting. I love the idea of like, you know, being watching something and like having this interactivity happen at the same time. I really love it. So for those of you who are listening, get in touch with Nick, get in touch with Salhorse if you have, uh, an ambitious project to work on, to tackle. Um, and I would absolutely love to see that by the way. Um, but anyway, thank you once again, Nick, thank you for, for being here with me today. How do people go to follow you on social media, where you're most active in terms of social media?
1: Yeah, I'm most active on LinkedIn. So you can just search for my name, N-I-C-H-I-L-L Nick Hill. Um, you know, Let's link up there and if you've got good creative ideas, we're always hiring uh, amazing talent uh, in the interactive space and on the film side, if anyone's listening to this podcast, uh, in traditional 2D media, we're always hiring there too. So uh, drop drop by and say hello.
0: Awesome, all right, so you guys heard it. Hit, Hit him up on LinkedIn, you're not gonna regret it. And uh, yeah, thank you very much, everyone, that listened to us today. I really appreciate it. If you want to follow me, you already know it. It's Eli Santos on LinkedIn, E L Y Space Santos. And that's basically it. Thank you very much, everyone. And we'll see you in the next episode.